Welcome to the Birth Warrior Podcast. In each episode, we feature the stories of birth warriors, women who have persevered to find their own truth in pregnancy and birth. As you hear these women share their stories of love, autonomy, connection, and power, it is our deepest wish that you will be inspired, empowered, and supported to find your own truth. We are honored these women have stepped forward to share their personal stories and to help us remember that we all have the power to choose what is right for us. The Birth Warrior Podcast is a presentation of the Indie Birth Association and is not intended to be medical advice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Birth Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Jaden Graham. It is so nice to have you all in this space today again. And on today's episode, we have Natalia. Natalia discovered her power and sovereignty as both a woman and a mother by taking responsibility for her prenatal care and birth. This journey of radical responsibility led her into reclamation of her body and her womanhood. Presently, Natalia is beginning a new journey of holding space for other women through their reclamation of their menstrual cycles, fertility, pregnancy, and birth, and by doing so, helping these women own their power, their sovereignty, and to dismantle their own internalized patriarchy. And I also just wanted to make a quick mention here throughout the podcast, you will be hearing um, me refer to her as Natalie. Um, And this was a total, total human error on my part. Um, She goes by Natalia, uh, not Natalie. And I wanted to apologize again to her. Um, And yeah, these these things happen. So yeah, we're just going to roll with it. But it's such a beautiful, um, such a beautiful and powerful story and I am just so grateful to Natalia for allowing me to hold space for her in this way and to record her amazing story and here it is thank you so much for being here hi Natalie welcome to the show thank you so much for being here thank you for having me I'm really excited to be here and finally share my story yeah, I'm so happy that you are here. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to hear your story. So wherever you would like to begin. Awesome. So I guess my story begins with um, when I got pregnant with my first son, um, though his birth story isn't necessarily the one that I want to focus on. That's definitely where it began. Um, I got pregnant when I was 21. I was traveling, living from a backpack with my now husband, and um, we got unexpectedly pregnant. Um, And I just knew always that I would have a home birth. I never would have considered having a birth in the hospital or um, any other way. I'm very much outside of the system in all parts of my life. So I never even would have considered like going into the system to give birth. Um, So yeah, we had a lovely midwife. We continued to travel during my first pregnancy and um, I was just seeing the midwife a few times and having kind of normal uh, prenatal care. She's really amazing, like really radical, awesome woman. Uh, And yeah, she's an older lady and just was like super 
comfortable grandmother energy, which is exactly what I needed for my first pregnancy. And I was like, I had no idea what I'm getting into. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was like, it was definitely very comforting to have her there. Um, But for some reason, I, I already had it in my head, like that my first birth, I would want a midwife, but that my second birth, I would want to just be me and my husband. And I kind of thought in my head, that would be so cool to just give birth with no one but me and my husband present someday. It just felt like Mm -hmm. um, the right thing to do for me. And I didn't even know it was a thing that people did like free birthing. Mm -hmm. Um, I just knew that someday I want to do that. Um, So yeah, I continued with the midwifery care for my first and had a birth uh, in an off-grid clay cabin in Mexico um, with my first son with the midwife there and it was super peaceful and the labor was almost completely undisturbed except for cervical checks but that's a pretty big disturbance but I mean at the time I just took that as totally normal um like Mm -hmm. I didn't know that you just could skip that (laughs) so I just took that um but it was horrible and super painful so in that way yeah it was definitely disturbed um but she was like kind of just in and out and really let me and my husband just do our thing during the labor but then once I was fully dilated um she was very much there and very um in control like at that moment when she came and stayed and told me that I was fully dilated I felt my power shift onto her like suddenly I was looking to her to tell me what to do and she did tell me what to do and she coached me to push and I didn't feel ready. I was like, I just want to sleep. I don't feel like pushing. And she was kind of like, no, come on, vamos, you need to push right now. Um, Mm. And so I really went against my body. Like I heard my body and my intuition telling me to just take a rest. And now I know that that's a very normal thing for the body to do during transition. Um, But I went against it and I like kind of forced my baby out. Uh, and I tore pretty bad, like sideways, um, like sideways into my labia was really painful. And I had really horrible hemorrhoids that until like a year later, they were still there and really painful. And I totally attribute that to pushing against my body's will. Um, and yeah, so he came out and he was, he didn't very quickly transition um and the midwife kind of took him from me and cut his cord and gave him oxygen um and that felt a little bit traumatic for me um and really surprising because I was like in the middle of the forest in this off-grid cabin in like a super beautiful place it looks like the most dreamy place to give birth but still these kind of medical practices like got into my birth all the way out there um and I guess I I was just surprised that that happened when I was reflecting back on it over the next days um 
I, I guess even when I saw her bring the oxygen tank in, I was a little bit like, huh, that's weird. Um, but I didn't think she would need to use it. And then she did use it. Um, and actually, I know a lot of people who have given birth with the same person who their baby also got oxygen. So I think it maybe is just something that she does a little bit. Like she's a little oxygen happy, I think. Um, yeah, like a little preemptive, you're saying? Yeah. Like a little bit like kind of quick to the, yeah, totally. Like, yeah. I don't think it was necessary and he was still receiving oxygen yeah. from his placenta, but she cut him from the placenta and gave him oxygen and was like sucking him with the bulb syringe and stuff. Um, and I mm-hmm. just was like laying there feeling totally powerless, like just watching all this yeah. happen and feeling like just give me my baby. (laughs) I didn't say anything because I had given away my power already and I already was not the authority in the room. So I didn't Mm. say anything because I was already in that position. Um, But it was a very uncomfortable moment. And I really felt like I kind of went out of my body a little bit. And I was like, consciously having these thoughts of like, I need my baby, give me my baby back. He's fine. But mm-hmm. I wasn't yeah. able to like translate that into saying anything. Um, but it was just a few minutes that he wasn't with me and he was with the midwife and his dad. And she like had my husband holding him and trying to give him the oxygen and stuff. And she was like helping me. I'm doing air quotes there but no one else will be able to see me um, right. like helping me birth the placenta, like traction on the cord and um, massaging my uterus a little bit and stuff. Um, so yeah, it was definitely not undisturbed uh, mm-hmm. in the second stage or the third stage. And yeah, it left me with a feeling of like the only way that I will really know my power and authority in birth is if I do it by myself next time um and so from then on I already knew that I wouldn't have a midwife there um also she is the only midwife in my area um I live in the rural mountains of Mexico and she's the only option for a midwife and I I didn't feel good about how it went and everybody all of my friends give birth with her but I was like I kind of had a different experience where I perceived my experience differently um Mm -hmm. and reflecting back on the birth afterward I also um like a few months after I gave birth or like nine months after I gave birth I um joined the indie birth birth warrior project the very first round um and just like really dove into truly physiological birth um before that in preparation for my first birth I had been absorbing more like spiritual midwifery and Ina Mae Gaskin and like the business of being born all of these kind of like typical I feel like they're entry points for home birth information um and but that's why I thought like cervical checks are just normal and stuff like that because that information that I had been absorbing talked about that um but then when I found the indie birth association I felt like a deep resonance um 
that like I knew that it could be more undisturbed but that was the first point that I had to like witness videos and other women and more information that confirmed for me that it could be totally undisturbed um so yeah I knew that I would get pregnant again soon and I knew that I wanted to have another baby very soon um and yeah I did a lot of like work with myself about taking responsibility um and just not like outsourcing any responsibility or information in my life and just focusing on my intuition first um and my intuition being the authority and being like the most valid source of information um and that was kind of just like how I prepared for conceiving my second baby um and then the early stages of pregnancy with him um I feel like I didn't go in a very chronological order there but does that make it's sense it's great no however yes it makes sense however it it needs to flow yeah okay um so yeah I feel like then, with a lot I feel like with birth stories you know it, it intertwines so much into life that I feel like it also just like everything jumps around and it's just you know it's perfect it's it's spiralic I mean and let's like go with that you know what I'm saying like I mean yeah. it's funny because we I feel like society wants us to be you know there's this narrative of like everything is so linear but it's like no it's actually like very spiralic and all of these like rabbit holes that we fall down to you know it all intertwines and weaves into the greater bigger picture of the story so it's all it's all good yeah <laughs> totally yeah thank you I yeah. totally agree that yeah. it's um it's not very linear um and in my mind it's not very linear like reflecting back on it either um it's totally a spiral um so when I conceived my second baby I was in the birth warrior project um and I was like really ready um I very consciously called him in and I had been for a few moons but um I hadn't fully gotten my second back was only I started trying to get pregnant at eight months postpartum but I wasn't actually ovulating I I did have my menstrual bleed a couple times but I don't think I was really sufficiently ovulating to conceive um so I didn't end up conceiving until 11 months but um 11 months postpartum but um I heard my baby like 10 days before I conceived him I was driving down the road and I was listening, I think I was listening to the Free Birth Society podcast actually, or like some birth story. Um, and I just all of a sudden felt like there's a presence here with me in the car. And so I paused the podcast and I just heard like, I almost felt like a knocking on the door, <laughs> like Aww. very clear feeling of there's somebody here with me. And then my baby Amaru saying, I'm ready now. I'm ready to come now, mom. And I was like, okay, like that was it. Like he, he just came to me. And I, I feel actually like that was the moment of conception really, because I felt him with me from that moment on. Um, but I had just bled. So then I didn't 
ovulate until about 10 days later. Um, and I was mm -hmm. tracking my cycle and using fertility awareness method. And so I knew exactly when I was fertile and, um, yeah, we consciously conceived him and it was just super beautiful and empowering. Um, and that actually was like the first step of reclamation for me of like sovereignty and responsibility and power on the whole journey because my first son was a complete surprise. Uh, and I had felt a little bit like defeated by that. Like, I don't even know my body well enough to prevent myself from getting pregnant. Like that was a big wake up call for me to realize that I just like accidentally got pregnant. Um, so consciously conceiving my second son was a huge reclamation of that for me, of that power of being in charge of my own fertility. Um, and before I conceived him, I learned all about fertility awareness method and really dove in deep to, um, just taking charge of my own fertility. Um, so yeah, that was like the first step of claiming sovereignty over my womb, my fertility, and just, it turned into everything in my life actually, but that's really where it started. Um, my first awesome. few months of yeah, um, it, it really pushed me into a whole new level in all parts of my life of just considering like where I'm getting my information, um, like who, who I'm asking before I'm asking myself um, and yeah, just taking responsibility for everything in my life uh, began with taking responsibility for conceiving or not conceiving a baby um yeah and so in my first couple of months of pregnancy I was really really sick it was really hard um I had a how old was he he was 11 months or 12 11 to 13 months in my first trimester uh, and he was super wild and energetic and still nursing and I was just so sick and exhausted. I still wasn't sleeping through the night at all. Um, and yeah, it was a very challenging time for me. I felt like really defeated in a lot of points. Um, and I guess I was like, I thought this was going to be easy because I consciously conceived him. I guess I thought that the pregnancy would just be super easy, but it was way harder than my first. Um, of course, having a toddler around definitely makes it a bit harder as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can imagine so. <laughs> yeah. So it was like just a really intensely vulnerable time for me uh, in the first couple months. But I eventually felt better in the second trimester, um, as most people do. And I really then dove into my process of preparing for giving birth. Um, and that for me, it looked like every day, uh, like a dance or movement based practice and a meditation um, and a lot of affirmations. Um, and I was every day going through this process of like listening to the fears or like the anxieties, the different thoughts that I felt like aren't aligned with my truth come up 
and like writing them down and then writing an affirmation that counters that to be like the reprogramming for me um, to release that fear and move into my truth and alignment. Um, and that has kind of become, that process has kind of become the basis of my doula work now, working with prenatal clients, like really feeling the fears and accepting them and getting really curious about them as well. Like I was really um, examining, investigating all of my fears and my programs. Like, where did this come from? Like, where was the first time I heard that birth is dangerous and stuff like that? Um, or that pregnancy is hard or, you know, whatever it was, there were many things that came up for me. Um, and so I created a lot of affirmations for myself and I worked through that every single day. Um, and also the embodiment practices for me were really important uh, in just connecting with my body and my baby and trusting my body and yeah, that was my prenatal care, really. Like I ate good food and I rested when I needed to rest as much as I could with a toddler. And um, that was really my prenatal care. And I really loved that. I didn't need anybody else to like do something for me or answer my questions. Like in my first pregnancy, I would have these like fears and questions coming up and then I would run to the midwife and like ask her for what is her opinion about it or like why is this valid or not valid and stuff like that and then in my second pregnancy it was like just me that needed to work through that um mm -hmm. and I think that there's definitely value and beauty in having someone else hold the space for you to go through that process but ultimately like it's only the pregnant woman's process and really only she can do the work. Um, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's super important that like, if, if I had had someone who was there to hold the space in the way that I needed, I would have accepted it, but I just didn't have that option. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't have someone who could support me and still allow me to be completely the authority and completely in charge of the process. Mm -hmm. So now, like as someone who supports pregnant and birthing women, I like, I want to be that space, like someone that can hold mm -hmm. that space where the woman can still be completely in charge and completely the authority and completely like doing the process herself. And I'm just like a space holder for that. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I just didn't have that. So for me, it needed to happen by myself. Um, and that was my process and it was super beautiful. Um, and I grew so much. Uh, and mm -hmm. also in my, when was it, I guess like, five months pregnant, the pandemic began. Um, and we were in California. And like, every time I'm in California, I feel like the world is ending, actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I live in California. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm oh, in Oregon right now. And this year, I don't, I don't feel it as much. But like every year that I went to California, I just felt like 
okay, surely this year the world's going to end here. (laughs) (laughs) When the pandemic happened and everyone was like just freaking out and like this, the grocery shelves were like empty in the stores in town and stuff. And I was like, oh man, like now the world's ending. (laughs) I was like, I could I guess the thing for me is that in California, I always saw like the systems that are in place here don't seem like they could stay like that forever. Like this is surely going to collapse sometime and pretty soon. Mm -hmm. So then when the pandemic hit, I was like, okay, yeah, the systems are collapsing. Like, let's go back to our cabin in the forest in the mountains of Mexico. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We did. We went back to our home. And um, we were really like, we had been looking for land that we could buy for a while. Um, And I just felt so strongly like this baby wants to like stay in this area and like have a home. Like the whole pregnancy, I felt so strongly from Amaru that like he wanted us to be sovereign completely on the land like to just dedicate ourselves to that um and it just aligned so well with the work that I was doing in my pregnancy like taking responsibility for um conception and prenatal care and birth like if I'm doing all that by myself like I want to be able to feed myself in a sovereign way and like heal my children when they're sick in a sovereign way and not be dependent on any of these systems that I have just been shown are actually so fragile. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was like, yeah, the pandemic beginning plus my journey of having a totally wild pregnancy were really like all pointing me in the direction of just being completely sovereign from the systems that I don't believe in anyway, and that I don't want to be dependent on anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So it was actually really beautiful that like the pandemic happened in the same time and it really motivated us and um, helped like push us forward in a faster way. And now we do own land and we have our own house and our own gardens and we've been raising animals and been a lot more um, sovereign in our food and medicine and everything after uh, that experience of pregnancy and the pandemic. And now I feel a lot more just set up um, in that way as well. Now I feel like now that we like conceived and gestated and birthed a baby by ourselves as like just a family, not needing anyone outside of us, like now we can kind of do everything by ourselves. Like we can live off of the land when we need to. We still buy stuff and like we still use the systems yeah. and like drive gasoline cars and stuff. But like, you know, if all systems fail, like we can survive, you know? <laughs> um, totally. totally. Yeah. So that was really important for me. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was really coming from Amaru like he was really inspiring that uh in our family and just felt like that was the only way to continue um and yeah so just that experience of reclamation of responsibility over my 
over my fertility and my body and my baby and my birth just like leached into everything in my life. Um, and yeah, it continues to, and it's still a process that we are um, always working on in our family. And now I also have kind of like formed a business around that, like sovereign fertility and uh, pregnancy and birth practices and um, all, of, all of the spectrum. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I'm assuming you have a you have a community there um, that you serve as well. Yes. Um, like not a, it sounds like. Okay. Not so sorry. much. I'm not sorry. so Continue. much in person. Um, I'm okay. do, I'm doing mostly virtual work. Um, where I live, the community is quite small, and okay most people are birthing with um this midwife that i gave birth with the first time um but i'm looking forward to uh serving more the community in person uh in the future i also have a land in a different place like we have land in two different places and one is a bit more populated and could be a more of a place that i could serve birth um in person but Right now I've been doing more uh, like women's workshops and retreats and things like that, uh, more based around the fertility awareness side of my practice, um, because there's a lot more women who aren't pregnant than who are. So it's always easier to um, connect <laughs> in that way. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. Totally. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I would love to. Um, I would love to hear about the about the birth of, uh, of your uh, second child, if you would be so kind to share it with us. You said his name was Amaru. Yeah, Amaru. Um, my first Amaru. son's. Okay. Yeah, my first son's name is Soul. Um, I didn't share oh. that. Uh, they're twenty months apart. He was. 20 months on uh, the day that Amaru was born. Um, mm. And yeah, Amaru's birth was just super blissful and ecstatic and easy uh, and painless. And it was everything that I knew that undisturbed birth could be. Um, so one night, I guess like June 22nd, we had dinner with some friends and my husband really likes spicy food and he made some really <laughs> spicy potatoes and I ate them and I stood up right after and I was like, whoa, like stuff is happening. Like I'm going to have this baby soon, I think. <laughs> there's something is happening in there for sure. Um, but nothing really happened I just was having some pretty light contractions but I could feel my body was working um and I slept through the night and my partner said that I was like kind of moaning in my sleep so apparently I was having contractions in my sleep and I remember feeling it when I woke up to go to the bathroom but then I was able to sleep like really deeply through the whole night um and then I woke up in the morning and I was like okay yeah today's the day like this is happening but it was still really light and um not at all painful and I just could continue about my day 
but I could tell that it was different and that my body was opening and that I would have my baby soon. Um, so I was making some chicken soup as like my own postpartum meal because I knew that he would be born today and I had a whole bunch of bone broth uh, stocked up in the freezer and stuff. So I was making this soup. Um, and then while I was making the soup, there was a super strong earthquake. Um, and mm. so we like <laughs> grabbed the kid, the kid and ran out into our garden. We had like a little courtyard in front of our house and our house was just like crumbling in front of us, like, oh, like wow. rocks and pieces of the house, just like flying off and dust oh, everywhere. And oh, we were just goodness. like standing there in the garden, holding our baby and like hugging each other. And it lasted, it felt like a really long time. I'm, I'm not sure how long it was really, but was it probably like five minutes or something of the earth just like shaking with inventions, like really strong. It was like a, I forgot what the scale is called, but it's like a 7.5. And the epicenter was just two and a half hours away from us. So it was intense. It was a strong earthquake, the strongest that I've ever experienced. And these trees are just like swaying in front of us and our house is like crumbling in front of our eyes. It was a really old um, cob house. That's how they mostly build the houses there are with, uh, is with clay. Um, and it was a really old one. And yeah, it, it literally like crumbled in front of our eyes, but the walls were still standing but like there was huge cracks in them and just everything was like covered in chunks of the clay house and the foundation of the house was totally cracked apart and it was like no longer safe to be in that house because there were there would continue to be earthquakes throughout the day there's there's always aftershocks when there's an earthquake um and we were like well it's not safe to live in here anymore um, and I walked back into the house and my soup was still on the stove and like still cooking, but it was full of chunks of the wall, like full of oh, wow. cob from the house. So obviously I never got to eat my, uh, postpartum chicken soup. Um, <laughs> but thankfully we had a yoga studio, um, like the house was kind of three separate rooms, uh, and we had a yoga studio. And we just changed the yoga studio into our bedroom really quick. Uh, we just like dragged the bed in there and set it up for birth. And I was like, this is happening. Like after the earthquake, my contractions got a lot stronger and more regular. And I was like, this is really happening now. Yeah. Um, but I felt like really not nervous, partially thanks to the earthquake because I felt like so small when the earthquake occurred that I was like the earth mm -hmm. can just like fling me off at any moment the earth is so yeah. powerful and I'm so small and actually out of control that like birth's not really a big deal like <laughs> it just felt like this, <laughs> yeah totally. this ease of surrender because I'm like I have no control anyway really so what am I going to do, you know? Um, so that was actually really perfect and beautiful and made my attitude going into birth just like really 
easeful. I was just completely surrendered um, thanks to the earthquake actually. Um, so that was really amazing to just yeah, feel like not afraid. And like, mm -hmm. I just felt I've been preparing for this all of this time and I'm super ready. Um, and the yoga studio was the room that I had been practicing uh, my affirmations and doing my embodiment practices every day inside of. And it was like charged with this energy. Um, and I had originally thought that I would give birth in my house, like by my bed. But it was perfect that I ended up giving birth in the yoga studio where I had been like doing this practice every day anyway. Um, so after the earthquake, we, we went for a little walk because I felt like, I felt like a little, um, I needed to move around, I guess. So we went for a little walk around town um, and then just walked back to our house and it was like definitely happening and I kept seeing people and people would be like oh you're still pregnant and I was kind of like not for long like they don't know I'm <laughs> like <right> now. <laughs> um, and so we went back to our house and our son went down for a nap and my partner and I made love and then then it was like okay yeah now this is real labor like this is really happening, which was beautiful because it's also how my labor with my first son started was making love with my partner. And it was like super connected and it was like making love on mushrooms or something. It was like super, <laughs> it was amazing. Awesome. Um, <laughs> and after that, I started to lose some of my mucus plug and it was like, yeah, it was really labor then. Um, and then my son woke up after a little while and I sent him across the street to uh, my neighbors. We had talked with her already that she was going to babysit him whenever I went into labor. Um, and so he went over there and as soon as he left, it was like, I was like in it, like really in labor land, super trippy and just like totally in it, like really in active labor now. Um, and the neighbor came over just to ask something about like if she could feed soul something or whatever and when when I saw her I just snapped out of it immediately and like talked to her and my labor completely stopped for like five minutes while I was wow. talking yeah and I was like that's so so potent like such a yeah. perfect example of why I need to be doing this just by myself and with my husband right now because as soon as someone else came into the into the, the energy field I just was like out of it I completely snapped out of it immediately and then she left and I went directly back into it it was really amazing for me to see wow. that like that is amazing yeah I yeah. could I like knew that that could happen on like a theoretical level I guess but just to like feel in my body the difference when someone else came into my space it was really amazing um yeah so then my son was with her and I could just completely be in labor land um and my husband made me a cup of cacao because that's something that a traditional midwife from down in the valley near us told me that she would always give the women a strong cacao when they were in labor because it would help them to have a fast labor um, 
And when she said that, it like really resonated with me. So I worked a lot with cacao in the past um, and I really am connected to the plants and I feel the like effects of the oxytocin. Like it just made a lot of sense to me on a physiological Mm -hmm. level and just on a spiritual level as well. Um, And I don't know if that was part of it, but my labor was really fast and easy. Um, It was just like, four hours from when active labor really started when my son left to my son being my second son being born um so yeah the the labor was just super blissful I was like moving and swaying and I had a birth playlist that I was listening to when I was doing the movement practices every morning and I had like a super strong connection with this birth playlist and I really like it dropped me right into this sacred space listening to it. Um, and so I was just dancing and enjoying the cacao and the music. And my husband was so amazing. He was just like sitting in the corner meditating and bringing me water and like emptying my pee bucket because I didn't have a bathroom in the yoga studio. So he just like brought me a bucket and I was peeing and pooping on the bucket and throwing up. In it. <laughs> um, <laughs> that happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I guess at some point it did start to feel pretty intense. And then I finally had this feeling of like, okay, if it keeps going on like this, I don't know if I could do this for much longer. But before that, I was feeling like I could do this for days. This is great. But then I did get to a point where I was like, it wasn't like that it never got that strong but I did get to the point where I was like um okay yeah like I'm pretty good on on this like this could start to end now and I would be happy um and I just said out loud like okay I think I'm decimated because I was (laughs) I was totally like not decimated but I always have felt this like you're when you're in transition that you are completely like decimated and I just have this feeling like I'm ready to transition like I'm ready to push out my baby so I'm just gonna say that I'm decimated I'm like done I'm decimated but I didn't actually feel that but I just like said it to myself like okay yeah I'm decimated I'm good like let's get this baby out but like really it was never yeah (laughs) it was never even close to as intense as it was with my first son like my first son my labor started as intense as my labor with my second son was at the end like it was really quite easy and I just had a couple of those contractions that I was like okay that's enough (laughs) um and lo and behold right after I said out loud that I was decimated I puked and then there was like a train moving through me at a thousand Mm -hmm. miles an hour and I was like I couldn't talk anymore and I was just like pointing I like pointed to the bucket to my husband but I couldn't say anything and I felt like I was puking from my mouth and my vagina like I really felt like I I was puking out of my vagina. It was like, I couldn't stop this <laughs> if I tried. 
it was such mm-hmm. a strong force moving through me and it was like this is the same force that caused the earth to quake like that earlier like I really felt that intensity and strength moving through me and all of a sudden I had I was like sitting on the toilet on the bucket and peeing and pooping and you know whatever I stood up and I was like not really in control of standing and sitting like my body was just doing everything for me and I was totally in a trance and I stood up from the bucket and there was like this like like a drop like the baby dropped into my pelvis in a very like obvious way um and it like almost hurt a little bit but it didn't really hurt it was just like an intense feeling of his head like bonking into my pelvis (laughs) um like the some bone somewhere I'm not really sure um and I was like oh wow like he's he's coming now um but I didn't know he was a he I actually was determined that he was a girl at this point um (laughs) And then I reached down and I felt the water bag um, still intact. And that for me was also a very important piece. I forgot to share that about my first birth that at one point with my first birth, the midwife reached in and popped my water bag with her fingernails and it hurt so bad. She like, it felt like if somebody flung a rubber band inside of me and like, she just like, kind of pulled it with her fingers and popped it um and I was always kind of mad about that because I didn't understand why she did it um did she tell you she was going to do it before she did it no she was just checking my (laughs) cervix she's just air quotes checking my cervix and then popped it. major Um, air quotes (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, yeah and then she oh man, I'm so sorry yeah thank yeah. you it was definitely one of them one of the more intense uh parts of my whole first labor but again I didn't yeah, think that true. much of it because of what had like the birth stories that I had been hearing were all about pretty like midwife managed home births like very managed home births um so when I felt like my, my second son's water bag coming out intact and just like touching it gently and feeling it intact was really healing for me because mm-hmm. like, I always felt like maybe my first son wanted to be born in call or like whenever it was meant to break, it would have been meant to break. But like, I just felt really violated um, by the fact that someone else broke his water bag. So to allow my second son to be born with his water bag intact was really beautiful for me. And I think it really made his, his emergence easy. Like the water bag came out first and I felt that bulging and I just like gently caressed it. And then (laughs) after that, he just like flew out there was no crowning or anything. There was just the water bag bulging. And then Mm -hmm. there wasn't even like, like his head didn't even come out before the rest of his body. Like the water bag bulged. And then literally the next contraction, he flew out of me. Like 
there was no what? ring of fire or anything. He just like slipped out really. And as he slipped out, his water bag broke and he like emerged with this huge splash um, because the waters <laughs> broke right in that moment. And I had fully intended to catch him myself, but I just, I didn't expect that he was coming so quickly. Um, and my husband like just barely caught him when, when he had seen the water bag bulging, he moved the poop bucket out of the way, right? Thankfully. <laughs> um, and then he just like barely caught him before he hit the floor. I was kind of, uh, kneeling I had one knee down and one knee up and I had my arms on the bed um and on this next contraction after the water bag had bulged I I had to brace myself on the bed because the contraction was so strong so I had no hands down there at all and he just flew out of me and his cord was really short and he like fell mm -hmm. so far that he reached the end of his cord and I like felt it tug on the placenta inside of my uterus um and yeah my husband caught him and I like spun around and my husband passed him to me between my legs and I was like mm. in complete shock because he flew out of me so fast like when I first held him I was kind of like what like that was that just happened Happened. like that was it he's here mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was just mind blown and I just like cried and was like holy shit we did it we did it we did it <laughs> and my husband was crying and just like kissing me and hugging me and hugging him and, and I looked and saw that it was a boy and I was like it's a boy of course it's a boy like we have two little Aww. boys of course we do because <laughs> I had kind of like convinced myself he was a girl but I I knew when I saw him like of course it's a boy it's soul's little brother um and yeah, it was just like really beautiful, um, natural, easy, but shocking also because I was like, he's like, he's already here. Like, that's it. He just flew out so fast that I like didn't have this time to kind of prepare myself mentally that I'm about to meet my baby. It was just like all of a sudden my body is like earthquaking and my baby's here now. Um, but it was perfect and amazing. And I laid back on the bed and just held him. Um, he cried pretty much right away. He had a little bit of stuff in his nose and I just sucked it out with my mouth. Uh, and he just was perfect and healthy and huge. He was really big, like way bigger than my first son, but he didn't feel like it. He felt like he was tiny when he flew out of me. But then when I was like holding him, I realized actually he's huge. <laughs> um, <laughs> and his cord was super short. His cord was like a foot and, a, and some inches long. Like it was really short. Uh, and so I couldn't really like hold him to my breast all the way while the placenta was still inside of me. Um, mm -hmm. And the placenta kind of, like I didn't have any more contractions whatsoever. 
And I got a little bit worried because I was like, I want this to be done. Like I want the placenta out partially mm-hmm. because it's inconvenient because I can't bring into my breast all the way. I was like hunching, mm-hmm. hunching my breast down to my belly to get him close to the breast. Um, but it was just like, yeah, kind of inconvenient. So I felt like this need to get my placenta out. Um, mm-hmm. And I just wanted to be complete because partially like, okay, my baby's here. Like, I don't, I don't want a hemorrhage to happen. Like everything so far is so good. And I think that like a little mm-hmm. bit of fear came in that like everything has been perfect so far. I don't want to let anything else happen. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just kind of, in that moment, I think I went a little bit more into like needing to control um, and like, I need to get my placenta out now so that this can be complete. Um, and I took a tincture that I had made of some uh, like herbs that would support my uterus and clamping down. Uh, and I took mm-hmm. some of that tincture like twice and then the placenta came right out. Um, mm-hmm. I've reflected quite a bit on that bit that I felt the need to like take something to get my placenta out. It seemed a little bit like against my whole philosophy and all of the preparation I had done for birth and everything. But in that moment, it's just like what felt right to me. And like, these were plants that I had a relationship with. And I just felt like calling on them to help me to complete my birth journey. Um, So I did. And yeah, placenta came right out super easily. Um, And yeah, we we're thinking about doing a lotus birth because I thought it would just be perfectly undisturbed to leave him and let his cord fall. And I thought that that would be kind of the only way that I could heal this, um, like the pain that I felt from my first son having his cord clamped and cut so soon while the placenta was still inside of me. But um, his cord was just so short that it was like so inconvenient to have the bowl like less than a foot away from him all the time. Um, Uh So after a couple hours, we did uh, tie off the cord and cut it. um, And that felt right for me. Also, then I got to consume my placenta, uh, which was also Mm -hmm. something that felt right for me. Um, we put it in the freezer and we did like the way that Marin suggests that you put it in the freezer and then just put it in smoothies. Uh, and I Mm -hmm. did that and I consumed it for the next couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, it was perfect. We just cozied up and got in bed and after we were tucked in and all good, my husband went across the street and went and got our other son. It was like, 10 p.m. or something uh, when he went and got our other son and he didn't wake up and then yeah we just all went to bed together as a family of four um, mm. the next morning we woke up and our first son soul met his little brother and he just like kissed him and hugged him and was like not surprised at all he was like it was like he just knew he was coming he was like you're here like just greeting him yeah. and it just flows together really naturally and beautifully um and it was just mm. totally perfect it was 
completely perfect and really completely physiological and undisturbed and it was just my body doing it like just my body and my baby making it happen and yeah it was everything that I could have dreamed for it to be Natalie that's so that's so beautiful thank you so much for sharing that just sounds um yeah just so blissful I'm so happy for you that you had that experience the second time um yeah and is there any last parting words of wisdom that you'd like to leave our listeners with today um I mean I guess this story kind of just uh encompasses it all but I really believe in the power of pregnancy well conception and pregnancy and birth to rebirth your life and reformat your life in a way that you can take total responsibility for um, everything that you experience and everything that you create in your life I feel like pregnancy is just the perfect time to rewrite your story and yeah um, I'm, yeah, I'm offering courses in fertility awareness and I do some uh, one-on-one prenatal uh, education and uh, kind of coaching um, and hold space on in a virtual space. Um, and soon coming up, I will start having in-person retreats to offer in Mexico. Beautiful. And then where can we, uh, where can we find all of that information? Do you have a website or social media by chance? Yeah, I have a website and uh, Instagram and Facebook. It's Sovereign Woman Care. And there you can connect with me right now. Um, we are creating a lot of things in our life. So right now, all I have to offer is one-on-one uh, consultation and one-on-one fertility awareness education um, but in the near future I will have a lot more offerings coming up awesome well beautiful can't wait to check that out thank you so much for being here it was so lovely to finally connect with you yeah <laughs> thank you so much for having me yeah absolutely thank you so much for listening storytelling is a profound agent of change one that has the ability to plant seeds of inspiration, introspection, and beyond. If you have an empowering birth story that you would like to share on our podcast, please head over to IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior to send your submissions. That's IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior. Hope you have a beautiful week wherever you are in the world. Until next time, friends.